You're listening to ZZ Talk, a father-son generational podcast where we talk about entertainment, pop culture, and a variety of other subjects through the lens of Gen X and Gen Z. I'm Noah. And I'm Greg. And this is ZZ Talk. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Today, we're talking about Five Nights at Freddy's, the new horror movie that just released on Peacock. Well, one of the reasons why we decided to watch this film is not because my dad has played the video games or is interested in the lore, but because uh, it was on Peacock and we go to the theaters quite a lot these days or we rent movies. So it's nice to get a somewhat free experience when it comes to some of the movies that we do watch. That said, we're interested enough in the preview, the synopsis, trailer, however you decide to watch it. But um, yeah, it's one of those films where people have been waiting a long time for an adaptation, and it's finally here. It is produced by Blumhouse, who does a lot of notable horror movies as well. And uh, once again, it is on the Peacock streaming service, so that's where we both watched it. And I'll go ahead and get into the background of this movie just a little bit. Uh, As we continue forward, my dad does have a synopsis pulled up, so I'll just go ahead and get into this here. So uh, Five Nights at Freddy's was directed by Emma Tammy. Uh, I think right now she's relatively unknown, but this film will certainly bolster her career considering that it was made for $20 million. It's already made $132.7 million. Um, Pretty pretty wild considering that uh, the movie itself is also streaming. Um, But Also, on the other end of the spectrum, we'll talk about this a little bit more. Uh, This media franchise for Five Nights at Freddy's is huge, and it's been around for almost 10 years. And that's the reason why, well, they were able to secure $20 million to make a movie like this. Uh, This movie does star Josh Hutcherson, uh, who is pretty much the most notable member of the cast here, outside of uh, Matthew Lillard, who you might know from the Scooby-Doo movies as Shaggy. He was also in the Scream movies, but no spoilers there. Uh, It also stars Elizabeth Lale, Piper Rubio, and Mary Stewart Masterson. That's kind of the background here. It was also released on October 27th here in the States, the 25th in the United Kingdom. So it's kind of brand new. And uh, yeah, we both finished it. I watched it last night. And uh, let's go ahead and get into the plot synopsis here. Okay, a troubled security guard begins working at Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria. While spending his first night on the job, he realizes the late shift at Freddy's won't be so easy to make it through. So basically, this is a Chuck E. Cheese um, knockoff. And um, Noah, did you play this video game growing up? So uh, it came out in 2014, and I remember Luke got it on his laptop or something like that. So I had watched him play it, and I knew it was really, really popular because it became really huge with uh, YouTube uh, YouTube videos, and I believe a lot of streamers played it. So this is one of those games that was made for pittance, almost no money at all, very independently made, and it just spawned a massive, massive media franchise. I think there's nine games in the entire saga now and now there's a movie under its belt and apparently the movie was greenlit as early as 2015 so if that shows you anything it's how successful the game was as soon as it launched um i did play the game myself probably three years ago or so i don't think it's really thing really anything that special but i will say 
uh, it was a novel concept and approach at the time that gets uh, much less effective as it goes on. But either way, I'm not a huge fan of the franchise myself. I'm just well aware of what it is since I enjoy uh, video games. But uh, I think my dad went into this pretty blind, right? I did. You know, we were never a family that necessarily went to Chuck E. Cheese when you were were growing up, when you and Luke were growing up. Um, In fact, I don't know that save once or twice I ever went into a Chuck E. Cheese. Did you frequent them that maybe with my mama pop pop or grandma and grandpa? Uh, whenever we went to New Jersey, I would go to Chuck E. Cheese. And I remember maybe okay. two distinct occasions where I actually went. I think I liked it simply because I was a kid and there was game, yeah. pizza, all that good stuff. Right. Yeah. So to my point is, is, you know, knowing what Chuck E. Cheese is, but not really having had it be a part of raising you and Luke, I, you know, I've always thought, okay, I, I know exactly what a Chuck E. Cheese is. I've always thought it was a little bizarre, but you know, it's a kid's thing, right? You know, those animatronics and pizza and video games. I mean, that makes for a fun birthday party location when you're growing up. So, you know, I was down for that if, if ever there was an occasion, but it wasn't like a place we would frequent necessarily with you um, and Luke when, when you were growing up. So I guess it's fair to say I did go into this somewhat blind. I knew what the premise was. I have never seen the video game. I'm not much of a gamer at all, as you all know, except for Tiki Mini Golf, but I'll stop there. But anyway, um, what's that? And E.T. E.T., which was the finest uh, Atari um, 2600 game ever. But anyway, um, yeah, I knew what the premise was. I thought it sounded, you know... um, not terribly novel, but you know, it's the kind of thing where those creatures can be perceived as pretty creepy. Mm-hmm. So one wonders, okay, well, I, you know, it might be kind of fun to see what happens, you know, if they go off the rails, so to speak. And so I thought for me, the idea or of the premise was pretty amusing mm-hmm. and worth checking out. And then when it comes to Peacock, I mean, I don't know that I would have gone to see this in the theater, but when it comes to Peacock and it's like staring at me in my living room, I'm like, okay, I'm down for this. So when we get a little bit deeper into this conversation, I'll tell you that I saw uh, a good part of this movie twice. Well, good to hear. And uh, I'm interested to uh, listen more about that experience there too. Um, yeah. So for me, I came into this movie um, last night and uh, it was a pretty easy watch. Watched it all in one sitting. Yeah. Uh, it was like an hour and 49 minutes, hour and 46 minutes or something. Yeah. You know, nothing, nothing too bad there. I like Josh Hutcherson. I mean, he's sporadically been in successful movies, but he's never quite been a true star i guess in terms of uh consistency uh so it was good to see him uh in another role outside of the hunger games or bridge to terabithia when he was a child actor um but uh other than that i recognized matthew lillard as well but uh there wasn't really too much i was expecting going into the movie and i think that was really for the best here because i had low expectations the game itself is not substantive in any sort of way and there's actually a lot of lore that fans have created for this uh, media franchise that I'm actually not aware of. So it was good that I didn't have this nine years of expectations behind it. And I just kind of went in fresh knowing what the franchise is kind of all about. Yeah. Let me say this too, before we uh, talk about what we thought of the movie, uh, keep in mind, this is a PG 13 film. So this mm-hmm. is a 2023 horror adaptation 
uh, but it's not rated R. It's rated PG-13. So because I think by and large, they, meaning those who who put it together, who produced it, mm-hmm. recognize who their audience is. And so in wanting to make sure that they could appeal to their audience, they kept it at PG-13, which I think um, probably resulted in some of the great box office it enjoyed over the weekend and also uh, is is both a, a an asset and um, I guess maybe a liability or there's pluses and minuses to that PG-13 for a horror film, right? Yeah, I think they did that just for the wide appeal of it. And I think Blumhouse has done quite a few PG-13s. It's only been recent to where our movies really get great box office returns. Um, so with horror movies, you're kind of guaranteed a little bit more leeway. But $20 million horror movie is actually not that cheap for its genre. And I'm sure right. they wanted to uh, make sure that the fan base and the fan base includes actual children as well as uh, adults. Uh, I think they wanted the whole the whole fandom to be able to uh, experience it for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. They um, yeah, this is um, well, let's get into it. I want to I I think I know how you feel about this film, but I'm, you know, I'm curious to know. So talk to me. What'd you think? Honestly, I like this movie a lot. I thought it was super entertaining. Um, it's not really a well-made film at all. And um, I, I will say that a lot of it's really, really hammy, but I don't know if that was intentional or not. I just got a lot of entertainment value from it. I thought there were some good uh, atmospheric setups here and there. And I also really appreciated that it, um, did a good job of kind of playing into what's scary about animatronics while also kind of recognizing that it's not necessarily an incredibly horrifying concept. I thought there was decent setup. And um, honestly, I thought the story's pacing was really, really solid. So for the most part, despite its um, blatant inadequacies, I actually was really entertained by this. It's not a masterful movie by any means, but I do see why there's uh, a lot of people being entertained by it. Um, That said, this film is getting very, very polarized reactions, uh, low reception from critics and high reception from audiences. I think I'm on the audience side for this one. I'm completely on the audience side. I really enjoyed this movie a lot. I thought it was fun, entertaining, relatively well paced. I mean, an hour and 46 for a horror movie, it's way too long. Mm -hmm. But I thought there were some layers to this movie that I was not expecting. And the part of the film that I saw twice was the first half hour because I watched the first half hour and um, I enjoyed it very much. I thought the setup was good. And I have to tell you, I thought Josh Hutcherson was quite good in this. I thought, okay, so, you know, there's, uh, there's reason for him to be in other things. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, so I liked it so well. And your mom said, what are we watching tonight? And I said, well, I got to watch five nights at Freddy's for the, for the pod. And she said, I'll watch it with you. And so I said, okay, I've seen the first half hour. I'll watch the first half hour again. And so we did. And um, yeah, I thought the setup was quite good. And the whole backstory with, you know, him and his brother being kidnapped was, was, you know, was something that I was not expecting from the, uh, you know, from the storyline. So it was not just, um, I don't know, it, it wasn't just as straightforward as it might have otherwise been. And for that reason, it got points for me. I mean, it has a 26% on the tomato meter from critics, which is ridiculous, which is really ridiculous because this is, movie is, I mean, although it is a horror movie, it's it's relatively harmless. Um, and I'm completely with the audience on this one too. Totally enjoyable. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess one thing I forgot to touch on was the storyline. Um, I will admit that the Five Nights at Freddy's concept has a lot that you can play around with, but it is paper thin on its face, especially with uh, what basically inspired it with the games. Um, so I thought that the story itself was actually pretty nicely flushed out, and it was a good minor uh, kind of minor sub or major subplot, I would say, uh, within just the framework of going to this pizzeria and creepy things happening. So I thought that was yeah. actually really good character motivation. Um, and it definitely allows you to connect with the character struggle a lot more than him just being down on his luck and getting a terrible job uh, doing night security. So yeah, on them for that. Yeah, I agree. I think it's time we go into spoilers because I do have a couple questions for you that are, you know, of course, Typical dad questions that, you know, obviously certain things in this film make zero sense. And some of these things are relatively forced. So let's just call it right here. If you haven't seen Five Nights at Freddy's, I do recommend it. I think we both recommend it. But now it's time to stop and go watch the film and then come back and listen to the details of um, sort of, you know, plot lines and, and things that we thought about as we were watching this film. So you've been warned. This is spoiler territory. Um, here we go. All right. So um, I think the first question you probably have is uh, the aunt was killed in the middle of Josh Hutcherson's house. And uh, I mean, I guess she was left there. Uh, they didn't really resolve that later on. So you've got a dead body in a house and this guy has already been um, really struggling with some of his stuff. So I can't imagine uh, that was resolved. Uh, well, I guess that might've been resolved off screen or something was cut, but that was easily something that was way overlooked because there was an actual corpse in his house um, at some point in time, because the children or the animatronics kind of whatever they do, um, but, Basically, you know, <laughs> that was that was kind of interesting. So I think that's maybe one part you thought of. No, actually, that didn't bother me at all. I was totally down for that. I, I, I what I want to know is if this place is abandoned, why does it need a security guard? OK, they mention it in passing. They say the owner. Uh, it's a sentimental thing. This thing. Is I, I know they mention it, but it still makes almost no sense. I'll, I'll give you a little bit and well, say it makes slight sense but come also, on now i think the owner was the career counselor yes the really big bad animatronic guy um and yeah. i mean he obviously used the place to kill people essentially You're right yeah create animatronics so i think that was the main two reasons there uh it, mm -hmm. it was given in passing kind of as like a dumb reason saying oh it's a sentimental thing okay why are you paying money for it well it turns out the guy actually has a sinister motivation behind it yeah and that is why yeah. his daughter was also popping up quite a bit well i i let, let's go into that then i have to say that his daughter who is vanessa the police officer I thought she was absolutely horrible in this i mean she was completely and utterly unbelievable just not a good actor and i realized that you might say well she was supposed to be that way because you know sort of mysterious and no I, I never i mean not for one minute did i believe that she was anything but um uh, inauthentic and i mean the first night when it's storming she's out there knocking to get in and then later on in the movie she gets in by herself uh, 
it really as much as I like this movie, I have some real issues with this movie. But because it's not meant to be taken all that seriously, I can get past those issues because I really, I frankly enjoyed the film. Yeah, I thought the character of Vanessa was uh, poorly written. And I couldn't tell if it was the actor themselves or if it was kind of a combination of how the character was. Uh, I think it was probably both, but poor acting. But she came off as really strange because you weren't sure if there was maybe a relationship dynamic that was going to happen she seemed to take a liking to him early and then uh you weren't sure if she was suspicious of him because she was being super helpful and then she was like you've got all these red flags going on like what's going on and then i suppose she was a police officer but she can just kind of be off duty whenever she needs to and then i wondered that too and it's I, i just find it interesting because um I, I was also wondering, okay, so was she aware of a bunch of these kids getting killed after the fact? Or why didn't she just like stand up to her father beforehand? Why was she just kind of like actively going around? Because she knows that he's killed multiple security guards, probably. Um, I think that's like the whole point, right? Because in the beginning scene, there's that security guard who presumably gets killed or put into a, an animatronic. So isn't she culpable somewhat or does she have some kind of change of heart? I I don't really know what it was, but I thought that her character was really awkwardly written because I think there was supposed to be an element of mystery there. But her reactions and in getting to know Josh Hutcherson's character were super off kilter. There was just something very, very off about the way the character spoke and uh, the way it was written. So I, I definitely agree that was one of the weaker elements, but it did add a twist, which was fine that at the very least. And it kind of connected the plot threads a little bit further together. You know, this one guy who's tortured by a failure of his years and years and years ago ends up meeting the daughter of the person who killed his uh, brother. And there's some retribution sort of there as well. So I guess that's just kind of how it ties in together. Not very and strong. So- yeah, it was it was confusing. And and so let me ask you this. I mean, the, the storyline where, you know, to your point, you've been t- we've been talking about this, whereas his brother was 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 taken, kidnapped during this family picnic. Those other kids are were those other kids also taken and somehow or another they are possessed by the animatronics or the animatronics are possessed by those kids. What what's the deal there? So I think all of those kids that he experienced in his dream were kidnapped and they were turned into the animatronics. But it's weird because I think it suggests that they got killed or they disappeared, but I guess they're in the animatronics themselves because it's heavily suggested that some people are able to be like placed into the animatronic or that one of the motivations is for one of them is to turn some people into it. Now, obviously the animatronics kill a bunch of people, but I I think children are mostly selected for that. And I think there was this weird connection between the dream world representing the animatronics and the kids themselves kind of stepping outside of the animatronics and having an influence on them. So maybe it's like the spirit of those kids are in the animatronics and they're controlling them. That was uh, very unclear. It was a bit vague. Well, but. and this is why I think critics are, you know, blasting it. And, and this is why I think you, you and I both said this is not a tremendously well-made movie mm-hmm. because that should be a lot 
clearer to the viewer than it is. And, you know, it's okay to leave certain things to one's imagination, but that's basically the crux of the film. Mm-hmm. You know, so essentially when uh, he brings, when Mike brings his sister um, to the, uh, to Freddy's overnight, the animatronics are engaging with her and are friendly to her. And that is largely because they want to, um, they want to, they want her, they want to endear themselves to her so that then they can attack her. I have no clue what it is, but I I think the idea was they took a liking to her and I think their ultimate goal was for her to become one of them uh, because I think they eventually kidnapped her for that purpose. And remember she had to get out of like the chair, I think Uh uh, for that sort of thing. So yeah, motivations are all over the place. Occasionally they're clear, but at the end of the day, that's not really what I care about in this movie. I didn't expect I know. To be some great I mean, piece of writing. I didn't expect the dialogue to be super sharp. I wanted at least one character that I'd like, and we definitely got that. I wanted some spooky scenes, and I think one of the film's strengths is actually the silent moments where it's setting things up. For example, when the fan starts and you see it going, and one character is yep. walking forward towards something yep. else, and you see something moving behind it. That's super Your mom cool. said the same thing. She was just like, do you see that? I said, absolutely. That was good. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, moments where you see something slightly move in the dark or even when it comes to just something, just then a character turning around and seeing where something is hidden. They do a really good job with that. And I did mm-hmm. feel like that effectively set up some of the scenes that could have been pretty lame otherwise. But overall, I thought that there was a lot of good tension that built here and a lot of it was effective. So Honestly, what this movie mainly sets out to do for entertainment value, it does it really well. I don't really care too much about the story in this kind of thing. You care about the concept of creepy things happening within the pizzeria. And I'm happy to say that the story itself was interesting enough overall to where like the more minor writing details and nuances didn't really matter. We got the Mm -hmm. best of both worlds in this, in my opinion. And personally, at this point, I... I really, really like just being entertained by a movie. It's it, it's hard for me to knock a film just not for not being on the level of something like Oppenheimer or Killers of the Flower Moon. It doesn't need to be that. It just needs to be something that you can enjoy for an hour and a half. Because at the end of the day, I don't think I wasted my time with this movie. We watch so many films that are about two hours, just under two hours. And those are actual hours of our lives we'll never get back. If I can say that I spent that time well, I'm more than happy to uh, recommend it to somebody else. I think we are on the same page completely on this film. It is it is not high art, but it is wildly entertaining. It is reasonably well acted. And the storyline, while very uh, confusing, is entertaining enough and frankly layered enough to make it worth continuing to watch. So I'm with you. This is a definite movie that I would watch again, frankly, probably in the background. Um, but, you know, if someone says, have you seen Five Nights at Freddy's? I'm going to say, yes, I have. And I quite liked it. So Noah, on a scale of one to five Z's, what are you giving Five Nights at Freddy's? I'm going to give Five Nights at Freddy's four Z's. Honestly, I really liked it. I thought it was uh, very entertaining. And I know it probably seems a little bit off kilter with how I've rated other movies, but I was purely entertained by this one. And uh, my low expectations were definitely surpassed. So I enjoyed what it set out to do. That's all you can really ask. 
Yeah, I I'm with you. I might give it three and a half Z's, but you know, I kind of like what you said. This was a totally um, innocuous film that was better than I thought it was going to be, and frankly, is better than most people are giving it credit for. So I'm going with four Z's as well. Five Nights at Freddy's, four Z's from both of us. I think it's worth your time, and uh, I hope that more people will see it. I ha I have a suspicion that it will collapse in the second weekend because Halloween is over. Uh, and it's on Peacock, right? But it's already made 120 or what, 100 plus uh, million dollars, uh, you know, so it's made. And I also, correct me if I'm wrong, they they essentially closed the door to a sequel because uh, at the end, the kid like locks the guy in the room and just walks away. And I thought, oh, we're, we're just going to shut the door to a sequel or at least try to anyway. And, you know, that was another part of it that I liked. I don't think the sequel... I don't think the sequel was left as wide open as some movies blatantly uh, mm -hmm. set up for, but uh, they're definitely going to make sequels. And I don't think that was the intention. You remember the main antagonist said, I always come back and there's yeah. nine oh. games here. And this film has made so much money already. We're going to see diminishing returns for five nets at Freddy's two, maybe three, four up until it's just not making money anymore. So if anything, uh, they have a chance to improve, but I know for a fact that this is going to get some kind of companion movie. It's just been too successful. It'll be the Five Nights at Freddy's cinematic universe. And by the way, when it when the diminishing returns have been so far diminished that they stop making them, they'll give it about five years and then they will reboot it. Because one thing you need to know from this Gen Xer, what goes around comes around. That is a 100% guarantee. Nothing is really new under the sun. They just keep rehashing old stuff because ultimately they're waiting for nostalgia to kick in. And, you know, it's so easy. And being 26 now and, you know, on the older side of Gen Z, I've actually been able to see things that within my lifetime have been rebooted or remade about twice. It's, mm -hmm. it's pretty interesting to see, or at least another one uh, is in the works. So uh, there's... Plenty of reimaginations that can happen over the course of time, but who knows? Uh, at some point, maybe, maybe there will be a more masterfully written, clever movie. But that doesn't matter to me at the moment. I'm just glad that what we have here today was an entertaining watch. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, you heard it here, folks, from ZZ Talk. Noah and I are both giving Five Nights at Freddy's four Z's. All right, so let's move it into move into check it out. Uh, you want me to start? I can go ahead. All right. So since we're reviewing Five Nights at Freddy's, or we just did so, um, I do have a companion movie uh, that many people might have heard of. So if you like Nicolas Cage, or whether you don't, he still appears in a whole heck of a lot of movies. And this film was greatly inspired by Five Nights at Freddy's, and I think it actually sought to be released to get out in front of the actual film itself. So this movie is from 2021. It's called Willy's Wonderland. And the synopsis here is... When his car breaks down, a quiet loner agrees to clean an abandoned family fun center in exchange for repairs. He soon finds himself waging war against possessed animatronic mascots while trapped inside Willy's Wonderland. Yeah, um, pretty uh, pretty blatant ripoff, I would say, uh, or at least heavily, heavily inspired from the Five Nights at Freddy's sort of ideal here. But um, the movie itself has gotten some pretty positive reviews. And if you're into that kind of campy thing especially with Nicolas Cage I'm sure you'll find uh something to enjoy yourself with so Willie's Wonderland check it out okay well mine's also a movie big surprise there 
And this is on Netflix, which, you know, is my my favorite streaming service. And it's called Old Dads. So I don't know if you've seen the the tile for it on, on Netflix, but somebody had recommended it to me and it's in the top 10. And, you know, I'm that guy. I've said it many times on this pod. And the guy looks at the top 10 and thinks, okay, well, that's what people are watching. So maybe I'll watch one of those and, you know, have something in common to talk about. So Old Dads is... Um, it is a comedy about, as you just heard, old dads. But, you know, when I say old, I mean in their late 40s, early 50s. Um, and it is um, – it's a Bill Burr project. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, he's, yes, I am. I listen, okay. He's, I listen to his podcast. He's a really funny guy. I, I like yeah. to stand up as well. Yeah. So he's, uh, he's very crass, and we were talking about – uh, we were reviewing the, the fall of the house of usher for, you know, a week's last week's episode. And, um, he reminds me a lot of the language in the fall of the house of usher. He's pretty crass, but this movie is perfect for a gen Xer. I will tell you that because it basically makes fun of Gen Z. Um, and, uh, you know, the, uh, the perception and or reality of a very different cultural context in which we live. Um, and so it's, it goes on too long, but it is, I'm going to say it. I haven't said it in a long time. It's winning mm -hmm. because there are things, there are observations and, you know, and, th and that's the thing, right. About these things is that, you know, when you're of a certain age, you've lived a certain lifetime, you've had certain experiences that, other generations have either had as well if they're older or not have yet had because they're younger. And um, so the observations in this make this for a really funny watch. So old dads on Netflix, I recommend it. Check it out. Cool. All right. Perfect. Yeah. And um, I guess since we have uh, about nine minutes left here, I have uh, room for one more thing I do want to say. So um, you might've uh, heard me talking a little bit about my most recent reading and um you know that over here we love movies and uh, with movies comes some of the uh, biggest personalities uh, to have written about movies or acted in movies. And basically what I'm trying to say is I read a lot of Roger Ebert's uh, reviews. Obviously he's been gone for about 10 years now, but um, his words are really important. There's a reason why he was so successful. And I kind of want to follow his model of, reviewing a film for what it sets out to do rather than comparing it to a completely unrelated movie. I think the main thing that helps a general audience member is saying, I like this movie or I don't like this movie because of what it sets out to do within its own context. I think it's really important to be able to review a film for what it does for you right then and there and what that movie is supposed to be all about. And I think it's um, I think a lot of people, when they hear four stars, they might have they might say to themselves, oh, OK, so you like that as much as Inglorious Bastards or you like that as much as, you know, um, what, what once upon a time in Hollywood. No, that's not the case. I'm I would like to start reviewing movies more for the movie itself and what its intentions are. So that's kind of going to be my rating scale going forward. And I'm not sure if you do the same thing or if that was just already understood by most of our listeners. But I think that's really important to remember because there's so many different films out there of many different genres and just a variety of different aims and goals and intentions. And I think each movie 
deserves to be reviewed from what that movie sets out to do. So much like Roger, I'm going to try to tailor my ratings more so that way, instead of saying, because I gave this movie this arbitrary star rating or Z rating doesn't mean it's exactly the same rating as a movie that's completely unrelated. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, I take a little bit of a different approach. I totally respect what you're doing, but I think mine is really more of a, um, is this worth spending two hours of your life? Um, And of course, that's all very subjective, right? But I have to think about it within the context of how well is the film made? How well is the story adapted for the screen? How original is the story? How um, strong is the the characterization of of the antagonist and the protagonist. So for me, it's a little bit of a how well is the film constructed? And as a result, how successful is it at um, taking two hours of your life and um, or three or three and a half hours, as is the case with some films, which I will not see. Um, but that's that's a little bit about my approach. Uh, yours is more objective. Mine's a little bit more subjective, but I think maybe that makes for hopefully some more interesting dialogue. Yeah, for sure. And I think what you mentioned, your criteria can definitely be achieved by kind of the way I'm approaching it as well. Just taking the movie for what it is, how it's constructed itself. And yeah, you can also acknowledge if a movie's really well made, but not that entertaining, or if it's entertaining, but maybe not that well made, such as the case with a lot of lower budget movies. But sometimes it affects the score, sometimes it does not. So I appreciate your criteria there. And I think that definitely works with the wider discussion that we have each week here. I'm here for you, Z. Just as long as you know, these are star. These are not stars. These are Z's. Yes. I I did correct myself there. All Uh, right. So Z talk want to hear what our objective and subjective scores are. (laughs) Exactly. Um, All right. So with that in mind, thank you. for. Uh, Before we go, what's up next? What's up next? Feel free to interrupt me every time I try to wrap up. Um, but what do we have next? Did we talk about this? What's up next? I don't know. No, we're it's a surprise for next week. All right. Because yeah. we're deep and we're in the middle of November. And since we know you don't like family friendly films, even though when you were growing up, you wanted to make rated G movies when you grew so up. Not um, true. I just tend to watch a lot of movies that are not family friendly. However, you, but admit you did tell ZZ Talk. Tell our ZZ Talkers that you did want to make rated G movies when you were a kid. You wanted to grow up and make rated G movies. I did, but then I realized yes. it's not as profitable as it could have been. It's not all about money. It's about quality, Noah. Yeah. Uh, well, ask the people funding the movies. They'll probably tell you otherwise. So <laughs> either way. All right. Well, next up, up next week, which is, I think, the week before Thanksgiving, we'll have a a Thanksgiving surprise. Sounds great. Do you want to send us out? I will. All right. Listen, we just want wait, to say wait, thanks. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> okay. Now you can. Okay, here we do it one more time for me. We just want to say please go and give us a five-star rating on um yeah, Spotify or Apple Music and uh we really appreciate you listening whether you listen regularly or you are listening for the first time. We hope that uh our relatively short father-son reviews of films that we uh, watch um, in real time are bringing you some amusement and some enjoyment. So uh, until next week, I'm Greg. I'm Noah. And this is Easy Talk.